Your notes and information right here, right now. Welcome to Just Twerts, your weekly helper for anything twerts related. I'm your host, Brent Lian. Hello guys, my name is Brent. This is Just Towards the podcast, we're in the law school boardroom. Today our topic is invasion upon privacy. And I have with me Tom and Miriam. Uh, for our topic today, it's quite special really, because unlike the topic of trespass or you know intentional psychiatric harm, this topic that we're discussing today, it's still being refined a lot by the courts with the recent cases. And that's what you have to pay attention to because when you talk about invasion upon privacy, the position in Australia is really uncertain. And if you're going to use any cases from like overseas authorities, such as UK or Canada, that only has persuading influence, but not a binding effect on you know, the principles in Australia. So I think one of the cases that we want to discuss first is ABC, Australian Broadcasting Corporation versus Lena Game Meets. Can you guys tell me what happened briefly in that case? Sure. So Lena Game Meets, they operate a possum abattoir in Tasmania, and that means they kill possums and sell them essentially. And some animal activists are really concerned with the animal cruelty that might be going on in the abattoir. So they trespassed onto the property and they secretly filmed the processing and killing of possums. And this footage eventually found itself with the 730 Report, which is a program on the ABC in Australia. Is it still available? Can you still watch it? No, because <laughs> I, well, maybe we can actually, because I don't know, because they didn't grant an injunction. So yeah, the ABC telephoned Lena Game Meets, and this then notified Lena Game Meets that the ABC had the footage, and Lena Game Meets were granted an injunction from the Supreme Court of Tasmania, which would restrain the broadcast of the footage, but then that was appealed to the High Court, and the High Court had to question what cause of action would have actually supported granting an injunction. How would you guys say it's related to the law surrounding privacy? from this case? So the two important arguments that Lena tried to run was that the slaughtering operations were confidential and broadcasting the footage would be a breach of confidentiality. And then the other argument of the three that they ran was that the publication of broadcasting of such material would amount to an invasion of their privacy. And I found it really interesting that firstly, the court said that the activities that were filmed were not private acts just because they were in fact trespassing. But I think it was, yeah, the most important thing there was that the trespassing didn't even matter it was just the nature of the act that was being filmed and then they ended up not succeeding on the other ground either in that the court found that a general right to privacy in australia does not exist but it could be receptive in the future Did did they explicitly say that the right to privacy does not exist in australia a general right to privacy no ah yeah is that the first time that the court ever says something like that uh, no, they did say that. Well, they did say that there was not a general right to privacy in Australia in Victoria Park Racing Recreation Grounds Co. and Taylor. But I guess then... we'll, we'll get to that case later. Hmm. Okay, so what, what else did they say, you know, aside from that a general right to privacy does not exist in Australia? They said that in the future, they could be receptive to arguments that a right to privacy would be recognized, but mm. it wouldn't apply to companies. So it would only apply to natural persons yeah, because, persons. yeah, the right to privacy is protecting human dignity. Right. So they're saying that there's no general right of privacy up until now, but this case of ABC and Lena Game Meets is not going to stand in the way of developing a right of privacy in the future, right? Yeah. So what was the case that you mentioned? Victoria Park Racing? Oh, Victoria Park Racing and Taylor, which is pretty exciting because here the court said outright from Chief Justice Latham that a cause of action for a breach of privacy just did not exist in Australia. And they had to look at the case based on private nuisance as opposed to any actual invasion of privacy. What was the facts of the case? (laughs) 
I think we I think we did it in one of the previous episodes. Was it was it the guy who was like who had like a the platform? Yeah, and he's and he was like broadcasting. Five like <laughs> platform with the binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> I love that case. That's I think we discussed the case in Private Nuisance, which is episode six, the one right before this one. But let's just like briefly reinstate the fact. So the guy was having binoculars and he was on adjacent property right next to a raising sort of platform and he was just looking at the rays broadcasting all of the live information to betters so they can yeah a radio station yeah yeah that's, that's crazy and he completely <laughs> wrecked their business because no one attended the the racing track anymore i think it's pretty smart that he did that like <laughs> if i'm living next to the park the racing ground i wouldn't think of doing something like this it's courageous so because you feel a bit interesting <laughs> <laughs> all right so how, how does this case relate to privacy Law of privacy. So since this was an earlier case, they said that the court didn't recognize the existence of a legal right to privacy, but it's a bit strange just because later commentary on the case in ABC and Lena said that the case wasn't really about privacy at all, but rather allocating the right to appropriate and control the publication of information. Right, right. In relation to private nuisance, I, I think it was said that interest to land does not extend to a freedom from external views, but it's it's relevant in privacy as well. Okay, I think the last case that we probably want to address is the case of revenge porn. It's the uh, it's a really disgusting case in my opinion. Gillard and poker pits. Yeah. Okay, let's just briefly explain. I think there's a need to, but like, what what's revenge porn? So revenge porn is when two people are in an intimate relationship and the relationship deteriorates for mm. whatever reason. The party that feels like they've been wronged, who usually hasn't been actually wronged at all, but anyway, <laughs> um, the party that feels like they've been wronged ends up releasing the intimate images of their partner, usually to you know their employer, their family, their friends. So it's like breaking up with I break up with you. I'm gonna release all of the sex pictures that I have with you basically as, as a form of revenge okay so in Gula Prokopets what's the principle that came out from the case what was interesting, President Maxwell of the Victorian Court of Appeal said that because there is no actual Australian authority recognising claims involving invasions of privacy for revenge porn laws, that there's then an unanswered question of whether the common law should develop in that direction, which sort of suggests that they'd probably prefer that the legislating authorities go ahead and enact some sort of changes, which we believe are now in progress. Yeah, that's that's great, because our recent assignment was done with the revenge porn and criminal law. Yeah, I think that now, right now, at least in criminal law, they have specific legislation that governs this sort of area. But if you think about it, revenge porn is like the gravest form of invasion of privacy. Like, how can you make a more serious form of invasion of privacy by going beyond, like, releasing porn? That, yeah, I think that's it. That's all the three cases for criminal law. Do you guys have anything, like, any other cases to add? And Rossiti and Hughes, I think, there's something. Ah, that's... Um, Oh, it's illumination and surveillance. Backyard. Oh, is that the one with the backyard? The neighbor like had these lights that would activate and shine in their neighbor's backyard. Can you backyard. just like imagine the scene yeah. like when, when that happens? There was, I think, another revenge porn case, Gross and Purvis. Do you remember anything from the case? Just the hilarious names of the parties. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a lot of money. It's one hundred seventy-eight thousand in damages awarded for a course of conduct analogous to stalking. That's great. Yeah, it must be like really serious stuff. Yeah, but it's always really nice when plaintiffs get like damages in these cases. Isn't it a bit too much? I think that's a bit too much, right? Well, why don't stalk and harass and trespass and... <laughs> I think maybe it's one of those cases that's also listed for like exemplary or punitive damages. 
In Gill and Prokopets, the court said the law has not developed to the point where the law in Australia recognizes an action for breach of privacy. So in Gill and Prokopets, which is the revenge porn case, even though the court awarded damages in some other way, I think the action failed in relation to uh, invasion from privacy because the court said we're not ready to... Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a breach of confidence. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. But in the case that you mentioned, Gross and Purvis, she was actually rewarded the damages on the basis of a toy information of privacy. So this is a really yeah. good development. I love it. But it's in Queensland. Yeah, and also lower court. So it's like district court. I, I appreciate it. It's a good case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shall we move on to overseas authorities? Sure. All right. Okay, the position in New Zealand was it's more progressive than Australia because they recognize the right to privacy. Okay, so I have this case called P&D. Which court is it from? High court. They outlined the four elements of a tort of privacy. The elements are public disclosure of facts. Facts disclosed are of a private nature. Facts made public would be considered highly offensive to a reasonable person. So that's an objective standard. And there is insufficient legitimate public concern in having the facts made public. So that's like community harm. If you post revenge porn or like pornography, those kind of material, it's going to be detrimental to the community. Sexual health, I guess. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. And uh, just community standards, I guess. We yeah. don't see that sort of stuff. Alright, do you guys know any other cases? Well, I mean, just regarding that case as well, though, like, they have things that we don't that probably influenced the decision. So, like, they have a Bill of Rights, which yeah. recognises... Yeah, good talk. Oh, but actually, no, their Bill of Rights doesn't even recognise privacy. No, it only had freedom of expression. Yeah. But then the judge was like, freedom is obviously going to be subject to yeah. privacy limitations. Oh, that's interesting. So they had a Bill of Rights, mm. it didn't include privacy. Yeah. But then they had freedom of expression, and the judge said freedom of expression it implies privacy. And just like, yeah, you have to always consider privacy with freedom of expression. I like, it's not I like that reason. freedom. Like, what do you guys think? What was the reason why Australia is not having right of privacy yet? Is it all due to the fact that Australia doesn't have Bill of Rights? Or is it some other factor? Like, why isn't the court as courageous, as progressive as the court in Canada or New Zealand? Because they talked about it in, um, I think it was Lena. They talked about how it's so indeterminate with regard to the divide between public and private life. One of the judges <coughs> discussed how that line between public and private life is always in flux because of the nature of like technology it's really hard to let people have bring an action when you can't really define the contours and limitations of that action yeah i see what you mean the line is blurry yeah. yes okay so what about canada what's going on what's popping in canada <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I should put that into the podcast. It sounds <laughs> What's popping, guys? <laughs> oh. So what's, yeah, what's the Jones and... How do you pronounce this? I think it's going to be Sige. Sige. I may be wrong. Sige, yeah. I assume it's somewhere in Africa. I thought oh. it might be Japanese. What's the significance of that case? The case of Sige. Or the case of Jones. <laughs> in case we're embarrassing ourselves. Should we start with the facts? They're pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Fact us up. Fact us up. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jones and Sige worked at the same bank. Jones's ex-husband and Sige were in a common law relationship. And Sige ended up, for whatever reason, accessing Jones's banking information 174 times over four years. What? So, yeah, of course, Jones brought an action for damages. The question for the court was whether they recognized a right to bring a civil action for damages for the invasion of personal privacy. So in that case, the invasion of privacy was checking the bank account for 174 times. times. That's interesting. At least it's not a, another revenge porn case. I'm really happy. <laughs> All right. So the court said there is a right to privacy in Canada? Yes. Yes. That's and they called it intrusion upon seclusion. In the United Kingdom, was it called intrusion upon seclusion? or It's the Human Rights Act really broad, where they just essentially copied it from the European 
Convention, Convention on Human Rights or right. something to that effect. Article 8 of the Human Rights Act in the UK is about their right to respect for private and family life, and it's more of a respect of private life as opposed to an actual right to privacy. But that act has certainly been influential with the UK court's decisions since it's been assented into law, I suppose would be the right phrase. That's interesting. What about like more common law cases? Campbell and MGM, which is Mirror Group Newspapers, mm-hmm. is a big one, where Naomi Campbell was the appellant and she was a fashion model, so she's constantly in the public eye, apparently a household name. And then the Mirror, which was a tabloid newspaper in the UK, published as its front page story photographs of Campbell attending Narcotics Anonymous meetings, which revealed to the public Attending what? Narcotics Anonymous meetings. Yeah, and the headline was, Hi, I'm Naomi Campbell, I'm a drug addict, or something like that. Oh, wow. And what happened then? Well, she launched a claim for damages for breach of confidence and compensation. I'm guessing that's not the first time that celebrity launched a case. No, of course not. Right. So why is this one special? This one's very special because the breach of confidence here was really misusing information which should be private because this is her her health information and this is not just her health information but information that she'd been a drug addict which is quite distinctive from like breaking your leg for example which it's fine for the public to know that but drug addicts are usually in quite a harmful state and it's important to consider the risk of harm when it comes to invasions of privacy. If I'm an addict I'm in a very fragile state and if that's then revealed to the entire world that can have pretty disastrous effects. Yes, it should be considered that they're also vulnerable when they're going to those meetings publishing their pictures you know online to show that as a celebrity they're going through this like terrible personal transition that's pretty bad yeah it's pretty cheap shot what about the other case google versus van hall vandal hall vital hall vital hall vidal hall vidal hall i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uk names Okay, so in that case, what Google did was they collected private information about internet usage using the Safari browser. No one knew that they were Wait, doing is it. it. Is it is it Safari or is it Chrome? Safari. Safari. Yeah, that was the interesting one. Google collected Safari. Mm. Yeah, you'd think they do it off Chrome. Yeah. Since everyone signed in, they're <laughs> using cookies. Oh, I don't trust those cookies. They were using cookies. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, they used that data to make those targeted ads at the Safari users. Of course, the claimants argued. That Google misused their private information and breached statutory duties. It's of course interesting because obviously they suffered no other damage than the invasion of their privacy. But isn't this what Facebook has been doing all the time? Collecting your cookies and directing ads towards you? That's how they make money, right? Yeah, I don't think they asked for consent though in this case. So usually like when you go on a website... The, the pop-ups. pop-ups that say we're accepting cookies or something. I've been researching privacy legislation. Can you share what you have gathered so far? <laughs> what I've gathered so far. <laughs> so just with regard to like the Privacy Act, it's not amazing when it comes to... It's not amazing. It's not amazing <laughs> when it comes to things. And, and Australian privacy law in general, like it's quite limited compared yeah. to like overseas jurisdictions, like mm-hmm. especially with what they're doing in Europe. But essentially when it comes to who is actually governed you'll find that there's like so many loopholes in the legislation there's no definition for what constitutes personal information in the cases that we've got they're very unsatisfactory because the federal court doesn't go so much into detail on it so there's just so much room for development and to let people know exactly like what their rights are and who has to how they have to collect their information etc yeah very unsatisfying (laughs) yeah I'm just thinking like if you're the lawyer and you're bringing this casing invasion of privacy like how would you go around and prepare your case it's difficult right yeah. all of the cases don't specify a certain outcome and if you want to look for the law it's quite vague as well yeah hopefully by the time this podcast is out after two years or something this area is going to become much more developed than we're discussing now because it's 
sounds a bit depressing. If you, especially if you <laughs> consider the positions in New Zealand and Canada, Australia is like a bit behind. Just with the last case that we did Google, with the decision, it's unlikely that this is going to be the final word on it. The Supreme Court in that case did allow an appeal. It didn't go to the Supreme Court because mm. the party settled outside. When they decided that case, they were applying the EU charter. And since then, obviously, Brexit has happened. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how that works now that they no longer have to consider like EU charter, EU conventions. That's a good point. That's yeah. a really... And there's a pretty decent chance that maybe the UK government, at least with all their history of snooping on people, <laughs> will probably not want any more protections on yeah. privacy. I think. Wait, why did the UK have like a history of snooping on people? Well, it's under the, the worst. The terrorism is apparently the reason, but they just... I thought the US does that, like not the UK. No, oh, so like it. Five Eyes. Mm. Yeah. What's the Five Eyes? It's, it's like a big cooperation. <laughs> everyone's helping each other. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know about it? Not very much. I'm sure Miriam knows a lot more. She's oh, researching privacy. I highly, no, I'm just, I did international relations. <laughs> so obviously it was bagging out all the... This podcast is interdisciplinary. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing more perspectives in. All right, talk about what, what you've learned from international relations. It's quite like uh, straightforward though. With the rise of like international terrorism and threats that cross over borders, obviously there's been a huge movement by governments to like prioritize national security over civil rights. So privacy comes under that. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is whenever there's some kind of terrorist attack or international incident, often a lot of legislation is passed which infringes on civil rights and one of them is regarding privacy so we we have in australia the access to like metadata there was something like isps have to keep your metadata now for i think two years Wait, what's metadata so it's... george brandis doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's no a great like definition of our attorney general like just struggling to explain metadata <laughs> on youtube how good no one really knows it's just like maybe i visited facebook and that's all they know i think i'm not yeah. entirely sure is data about data basically okay. yeah that sounds no, really it's exactly what you said. Okay, cool. And like your opal history, where do opal you... Opal history as well? Yeah, well, where do you go? Well, that's because that's all stored, mm. right? And it, our cards are registered because we're concession Shit. students, so they know where we go <laughs> every day. And there's that new thing about facial recognition. Have you guys seen that? I thought it was the new feature by Apple when you pick up the phone. <laughs> Same, like, yeah. The new iPhone X. IPhone yeah. No, so they want to use like our license photos and our passport photos to create this like database where they can do facial recognition. I thought that was happening in India where they use the fingerprint and it's happening in China where they where you check out to the restaurant you just show your face and it's connected to your bank like mobile bank account. Really? I, I have no idea that they're doing this facial recognition thing. That's they so want to do it. They want to do it. If that comes out I hope at least there's law and regulation that puts safeguards to it otherwise we're just like slaves to technology. Yeah. <laughs> okay let's just wrap this up. What I do at the end of the section is I want you guys to give some advice to our listeners out there. You know they're like first year law students might be done with their first assignment so any advice that you guys want to give them keep up to date with the lectures don't fall behind read some of the case judgments read some excuse me read, read all of them <laughs> why is why is everybody here saying like oh you can skip the cases it's not just words does not endorse that kind of behavior <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. And my advice sort of segues nicely from that because I was going to advise that students should always engage with the dissenting judgments as well because often students think like, okay, so they went in the majority, it's not a principle, who cares, right? But a lot of the times when the law, a certain principle has been criticized or the law seems to be in development, you get a lot more insight and also more importantly marks when you engage with the dissenting judgments and you bring up alternative arguments. It's something that distinction and high distinction students do and something I neglected when I was in first year because I thought it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) It matters, trust me. It matters, yeah. (laughs) Alright, that's the end of our episode on invasion of privacy. Definitely tune in to our next episode which is going to be about defenses to intentional torts and we have Nam and Patrick on the episode. Yeah, we'll see you guys then. Bye! Oh, I was just looking for like, you know how they say like fashion shops? Yeah, I just want to say it, but you said it more. What? It's just like a New Zealand stereotype. Like, I don't think anyone there really says it like that.